And then I think from a, like if you're trying to get gigs, then promoters need to be reminded all the time that you're DJing, you're playing, you're, you want gigs, basically. You're after gigs. And so many times I see producers putting out, they've got new releases, they've got new releases, but they can't get gigs. Or they've they've had some really massive releases on some big labels, but then you go and look at their content, and it's all about them making music. And they then don't have a fan base of them DJing. And I think, well, like we were talking about earlier about audiences, you need to have both those audiences. You need to have the audience of other producers and peers and people that are into what you're making from a production point of view, but you also need to have fans that are into you from a music point of view and a DJ point of view. So it's about DJ content. Are you ready to level up your game as a DJ and producer and break into the electronic music scene? Welcome to the Break Into The Scene podcast, where you will hear the stories of DJs and producers about how they got where they are today and how they broke into the electronic music scene. On top of all that, industry experts share their tips on specific topics, such as how to build your brand as a DJ and artist today, how to build connections in the industry, how to get more gigs as a DJ, and many, many more. So if you're ready to take your music career to the next level, Buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, DJ Resonant, host of Resonant Radio and former host of the Mindset Horizon, podcast interview mastery and podcasting for influence podcasts. Huge welcome to the very first episode of the Break Into the Scene podcast. I'm super grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today. If you want to receive regular updates about new episodes, make sure to sign up at resonant.com forward slash podcast news. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast news. If you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on the socials. My Instagram is resonant.dj or visit my website resonant.com. And now let me introduce today's guest. So my guest today is Graham Farmer, who is the founder and owner of Data Transmission, a leading online dance music publication, radio station, and record label that has been running for over 15 years. Besides the blog slash magazine, a radio station, and record labels, he has also coached over 300 DJs and producers through his one-on-one coaching program and created the Artist Blueprint, a music career development course with over 100 members. Graham's Twitch streams have over 11 million views by over 1.57 million people and have helped rising artists get major label signings, BBC Radio One plays, and significant streaming numbers. He's a regular public speaker at leading industry events, has built a 2,000-member Discord community called Shedheads, and is known for his genuine passion for growth and seeing others achieve. And now let me give you a quick summary of what we covered in this episode. But honestly, guys, Graham shared so much value and golden nuggets throughout the episode that it's even hard for me to summarize. Well, first off, Graham shared tips on content marketing and social media marketing for DJs, such as what types of content to create, which social media channels to focus on, how you can earn money via live streams on Twitch, and some of his best practices on how to leverage these platforms in general. On top of all that, we talked about what promoters and booking agents are looking for when it comes to booking you as a DJ, and also some of the most important social media metrics that you should measure and pay attention to based on which you can improve your content over time and increase engagement on those platforms. Again, Graham shared so much in this episode that I highly encourage you to listen to the whole episode and even save it for yourself so that you can circle back to it, listen to it again and again, and digest what was discussed. Also, I highly encourage you to check out Graham's content. He puts out a lot of highly valuable stuff on a regular basis on his Instagram channel, YouTube, Twitch, and so forth. You can find all the links in the episode show notes. And again, if you want to receive regular email updates about new episodes, all you need to do is sign up at resonant.com forward slash podcast news. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast news. And so without any further ado, here's my interview with Graham Farmer. Graham, welcome to the Break Into the Scene podcast. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. 
Super excited to have this conversation with you today. Uh, we're going to cover a couple of interesting topics, uh, highly relevant for aspiring DJs and producers, such as content marketing and social media marketing. So I'm really excited to dive into those. But before we do, I actually wanted to start the conversation with uh, data transmission. And to be more specific, uh, how did you build an audience around data transmission over the years? So how did this audience evolve uh, around data transmission? Uh, so data transmission, for those that don't know, is 15 years old. This was in, Fe in February. Um, so the audience... The audience has changed and it's moved in many different places over the last 15 years. When we started the the website uh, and the magazine, it was in an email. It was all in email. We had like 300,000 email, data, email database, which we'd got from when I was working at a nightclub beforehand. It wasn't even using like a MailChimp or anything. There was none of that back then. We actually had to build our own system, send the mails out um, and um, design all the mails and build them all. And then, and then social media came along, and we didn't really jump. I didn't really jump onto things like Facebook or it, when it started. It was a massive mistake. Like, like every, I should have gone there when it was really building audience early. And I should have really got my head around that because I thought thought it was like, I don't know. I think it, I think at the time I thought it was a competition. And I was like, why would you go on Facebook? You could just come state a transmission straight away. And I didn't even think it as an audience platform or, or a marketing platform. I just thought it was somewhere to fight against, and it was stupid. I was younger back then. And my thoughts have evolved definitely over the time. And the same with when I got on Instagram midway, and it's definitely taken me a bit longer to grow. But I definitely now feel like I'm at home on there and at home on YouTube. But yeah, I think from a, from your question, like, like the community has moved from the email marketing. It definitely then moved. Like we've got a great community on SoundCloud from, from the SoundCloud channels we've built on over the years. Like the main channel is about to hit 175,000 followers. Yeah. Um, and it's nearly... I'm going to say, I think it's over 80 million streams. Sorry, there's a plane going over. It's okay. No worries about that. <laughs> it's real life, people. <laughs> I'm in my, I'm in my, I'm, I basically, I'm in my, my shed in my garden. We stream here on um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday on Twitch. Nice. And when we started streaming, we needed a studio and we were like, where can we stream? And we want somewhere that we could just be set up the whole time so that we can just, like from a time-saving point of view, it's set up, you just come in, you go. And obviously having that in a working household is just not possible. <laughs> and we were like, well, we've got the shed at the bottom of the garden. Why don't we Why don't we set the studio up there so it's in here? And then you get these nice little things when we're streaming, like the ice cream. They're basically, the, the road is behind us. So the ice cream van will come along in the summer and everyone, everyone in the chat go, oh, go and get us a 99. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Um, but every now and again, we get planes. But yeah, anyway, back to data transmission. So yeah, D DT... Growed SoundCloud, that was like 175,000, nearly 80, probably eight, over 80 million streams. Um, and then we built channels off that channel because the audience on there was so good and people were listening to so much music. And you get so many little nice comments every now and again going, I'll follow Data Transmission on SoundCloud for years. And can you now, can I have my track uploaded? And then we're like, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. And then recently it's gone to YouTube and it's gone to Twitch and it's gone to Discord. And we kind of, I really like the community on Discord. It's really fun. It's from the Twitch streams. I really like my Instagram community for myself. DT's community. Yeah, it's still, still SoundCloud, still YouTube, I think. The biggest ones. The reason why I wanted to start with the audience topic, uh, and obviously you have this experience over the 15 plus years uh, with data transmission, because when it comes to DJs and producers, one of the things that we want to do is to build a community and once you have a community uh, or an audience, you can start thinking about how to monetize it. Not necessarily just as a DJ, but in any way, shape or form, you might want to uh, monetize this audience. So I'm wondering if you had this clarity around who you wanted your audience to be when you kind of like started the data transmission or over the years, like, did you have a specific group of people in mind who you wanted to attract uh, and how did this thought process evolve over the years or change? That's a great question. Uh, I, first, yeah, I definitely think, I don't know if DJs and producers think about building a community. I think they want to get gigs and get their music signed. And I think they have to learn to build a community to get to get the most out of their music. I think it's definitely one of the things they learn along the way. Then they then they start to build. But the first thing is they want to get music signed and they want to get DJ, DJ gigs. But from a DT point of view, like at the start, there wasn't, it, the whole community thing wasn't that much of a thought it was it was it was we want to go out raving because we're young 
and we want to get free into free gigs into free places and we want to build a website uh we want to interview a lot of people that our resident advisor wasn't interviewing for starters um because they they weren't they weren't in their genres like drum and bass producers and disco producers and you know the house music they didn't really like but we we loved so there's a lot of stuff that we loved and they didn't want to know so that's what we wanted to do we interview people interview people and go to raves and maybe put on club nights and we did the couple of that we did some of that really really well um and then and then i think maybe and then we started getting into putting the music up and uploading music we liked um from a premiere point of view and a, a mixed point of view and we've always had our podcast so the, that kind of built the audience a little bit around that um and then only really recently have i actually thought like definitely as i've got older who my community is mm. and i've learned about community along along the way and i learned that it sort of sits now in the middle uh, and i always think of data transmission as like probably my younger self the one you know it's always i always have to put in my data transmission head when i'm thinking from a data transmission point of view and sometimes I don't. I think of a, I think of a, a Graham Farmer who is now nearly forty-four head, and I have to really switch myself back into data transmission mode. Um, who is who is that? Who is? I always think data transmission is the is that person that's got one Wellington boot on that's dancing next to the ice cream van, um, hugging themselves, kind of just dancing to the sound of the ice cream van at, at seven a.m. at a festival. And I always think if I, that's if that's data transmission, then then who would that person like to party with and what music would they be listening to nice and that's them i think and that's why probably i was a long time ago probably before even before data transmission whereas now i'm more graham farmer the 44 year old dad who <laughs> likes to listen to a lot of music um and goes to raise every now and again when i can when I, when when i can afford the week of recovery um because it does take a week now and I a feel week, you, man. <laughs> and a week off literally a week off of like because i work I, I work you know a hundred and hundred hours a week i get up at four in the morning and i finish at nine o'clock at night and and if you if i go out at the weekend and have a rave then it's then that impacts like a like i reckon i probably use i well three hours a morning so that's you know five eight you know fifteen five threes five three Fifteen hours. That's fifteen hours gone that week, and you have to kind of work out whether, like, the payoff of going to the rave is is equal to the what I'm going to lose. And is it like, is, am I going to be, the networking going to be worth it? Is yeah. the is the content for DT going to be worth? It? And they, they they do balance out. Like they will balance out for sure. Uh, and I'm getting back into the networking, like, because I stopped networking for a long time because I thought I'm cool. I just need to work focus on what I'm doing. And networking is definitely important. Because you definitely can build a lot from that. Do you mean online or in person networking? In person, my like I, I I shout about networking a lot on my YouTube channel. Yeah, a lot, and I tell people to go on network and go and build your network, and it's important to keep building your network. And then I, and after I think after the pandemic, I kind of got into a space where I, I've, I'm cool. I'm working at home. I can build my audience. I can make content from home. Like I've got this studio now. I've got like a space, and I you know everything. I can I can basically run the business without essentially leaving the house uh whereas before i'd have to go darting off to london i'd come back to london and going like even going to london today is that's an eight hour kind of by the time you've got the train and you got into london you've had the meetings you've wandered around together that's a long day and you've that's a lot of things that it has to stack up right for me i'm really a lot on my roi my time and i consider my time probably my vote most valuable thing a hundred percent yeah and if if something's i really like evaluate i try to evaluate how much time something's going to take and if the ROI of me doing it is going to push the business forward, build the audience more, make better content, you know, all the kind of stuff that really drives what I'm, what we're trying to achieve. And if it doesn't, then I, I sacrifice it a little bit. Honestly, like uh, oftentimes we talk about like uh, challenges around time management, but it's like, I feel it's more like, being very clear on your goals and what you want to achieve and, you know, what are some of the priorities that you want to uh, focus on in the next, you know, whatever it is, next months, weeks, because I, I, I have limited time also, right? So how do I, for example, if I create content and I want to dive deeper into content creation, especially for DJs and producers, it can take a lot of time, right? 
Um, so how do you kind of like manage your time and how do you find the time to produce music or do your mixes or produce content to promote your uh, music? So let's dive deeper into that. First and foremost, why is it important for, for DJs? Let's, let's focus on aspiring DJs who are not necessarily having a lot of gigs. Maybe they have a couple of gigs here and there and they want to kind of like uh, use social media. They want to build their profile to get more gigs. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I agree with you. Like, I agree with you on the time thing. I, and I, this is one of the things I've been con- considering loads uh, around making content and because, because of my thoughts on time a lot. And I saw, I saw, I was posting a, re- uh, a while back about you having to do, you have to put loads of content out to get more gigs and loads of content to build an audience. And someone, someone actually commented and said, how am I supposed to do all this? go from literally making no posts a week to 20 posts a week. It's mm. just impossible. And it and I was really in a bit of a, I was kind of, it really flipped my brain a load on think about it. You're thinking about these sort of things. Um, and my my ideas around content changed from that person. I can't remember who it was because I'd say thank you to him because it was it really changed my thoughts around it. And I think when you're making content for yourself as a DJ, and I'm a, and I do a webinar on this, and I've done, I spoke about this up, you know, but I'm, I'm IMS in Ibiza recently. Um, I feel like you've just got to start and plan out, plan out what you're going to do, plan out what you're trying to achieve from your goals, plan out like, like, like going to the gym. Like I always think of it as going to the gym. Like when you start going to the gym, you you can't run. Like I can't, I couldn't run a minute when I started going to the gym, and now I can run marathons, half marathons. You can't, you know, when you go to the gym, you don't start out ripped. You start, you know, flabby and horrible. Um, well, not horrible. Flabby is not horrible, but flabby, you know, and not where you want to be from a goal point of view. But you kind of, you start and you get better at it. And I think with content, I feel like you have to do the same. You block out some time, like you would go to the gym. Mm-hmm. You block out, a, you know, whether that's in one block and you do it all in one day and, and you just block out, you know, a couple of days for content a month and you just make loads and batch loads and you plan, but you plan it and you work it out and you, and then you've got a little bit each day to post it and interact with it or whether you block out, you know, half an hour a day, like you go to the gym and that's, that's your content time. And then I think from a, like if you're trying to get gigs, then promoters need to be reminded all the time that you're, DJing, you're playing, you're you, you know, you're you you want gigs basically, you're after gigs. And so many times I see producers putting out they've got new releases, they've got new releases, but they can't get gigs, or they've they've had some really massive releases on some big labels, but then you go and look at their content, it's all about them making music. And they then don't have a fan base of them DJing. Yeah. And I think like we were talking about earlier about audiences, you need to have both those audiences. You need to have the audience of other producers and peers and people that are into what you're making from a production point of view, but you also need to have fans that are mm. into you from a music point of view and a DJ point of view. So it's about DJ content. Yeah. I love it. And making content that people want to see like you, that audience point of view, it's, it's you, you make content for the audience and they want to watch certain things and they want to be entertained. So it's about DJ content and kind of, if you can't get a gig, out there in the live world can you stream can you live stream can you can you do a make a youtube mix series you know I, there's a there's a really great youtube channel called flavor trip and they're now 16 videos into i think every two weeks they upload uh they started october last year they're now at seventy five thousand followers and they're over 5 million views from 16 different youtube from 16 different D- dj videos nice and from that they'll be getting gigs they'll be getting you know they can test out new productions they can they'll be doing a whole lot of other stuff that they're that's probably hidden behind the scenes but it's easy content yeah uh, it's really interesting you know uh and i would love to go deeper into some of the areas for example when you start producing content so what i also tell myself is like forget perfectionism so you know like i don't have like the best camera or whatever it is but I still record and I put out content and over time it can be better so I can improve the content over time. Uh, One of the things I want to get deeper into is that first of all, you have to be clear on your goals, right? So let's say, let's, let's pick one lane, which is, let's say you want to attract booking agents, promoters, 
based on which they can book you. So one of the things that you've mentioned is that they see that you're active. You have decent content, you're putting out content on a regular basis, and you're active, right? So you're putting out mixes and stuff like that. So in that regard, like what types of content would you recommend to DJs and producers to put out when it comes to attracting gig opportunities, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, from a gig point of view, there's there's a few ways. I always think in content, it's pick one platform and do it really well. Mm-hmm. Like pick one and like whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, whether it's just SoundCloud and you do that really well, you know, promoters will come and look at what your content, but they'll also then you want to build the audience around that, around people enjoying that content and seeing you DJ. Nice point. Nice point. You know, they, they're... They'll they'll come, but they'll come because there's an audience and there's come, because there's in, there's interest, and that's when you get booked. The other side to getting booked is nice is you've got to just go and ask for the bookings. I there's a there's a there's a big thing where I think um, you ask a DJ where do you want to play, guaranteed the answer will be I want to play anywhere. I don't care where. I just want to play, guaranteed. And listeners listeners of this podcast, if I'm wrong, let me know on social media. But I bet you you've all gone. I want to play anywhere. What I can tell you about the people that want to play anywhere is most of them are playing nowhere. And it's about identifying where you want to play and who you want to play for. And then once you know that, then you can then set set aside. For instance, I know for a fact, the Booker for Elro, which is a massive party brand, tech house, house music, if you're into that scene, they have massive cannons, massive confetti parties. I know the Booker for that party only wants to hear live recorded mixes at gigs because he wants to hear how you play in front of a crowd. Yeah. Now, if you don't know where you want to play, then you're not going to know that information because you won't have looked at that person online. You won't have met him at a conference or met him at, you know, ADE or somewhere like that or at an Elro gig and asked him that question, what do I need to send you? And he would have said then, send me a send me a live recording, no studio mixes, which then you wouldn't have done that process and therefore no hope of getting that gig. Yeah. Um, also, you need to know where you want to play and who's. Also, the main thing is who's booking those parties because just going to a club and going, I want to play at the club. Well, clubs are not always booking the shows. They're then bringing promoters that are then booked the shows. And you need to actually go to the promoter that's booking the venue that, that's booked the show. And without doing the research and finding those people, again, you're not going to get the gig. Yeah. And then when you send that email to go, then when you send that email to, for, to ask for the booking, because if you're not asking, someone else is always booking, asking you, asking. Then they're going to need to land somewhere. So then it's on your social media. Then it's on your maybe your YouTube. You know, for instance, that that couple that are doing that YouTube channel, they would send that as part of their ask to book at that look at that gig, and then they would look at the audience and go, "Wow, they've got a mad audience." Yeah. Things like YouTube, you can pull off all the stats of where your audience is, and you can go, "Well, I've got this mad UK audience or mad audience in Croatia, and I've reached out to all the booking agents in Croatia." And I want to, we know we've got an audience there. We can see it from our stats on YouTube. I think you should be booking us. Nice. I really love it. And then you're, then you're leveling up your ask, basically. Yeah. I would look at where your audience is, first and foremost. Look at where your audience is. Then look at where you want to play in that. So, and most people will start where they locally are. They won't look at like gigs all over the world. But random things have happened where people have released tracks and then it's exploded in a territory where they're not living. And if you know that data from wherever, Spotify or YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever, then you know you can pitch that. That's your local scene. But you need to know where your audience is, first and foremost. And that if it is your local scene, then know all your local promoters and go and network with them and go and shake their hands. If it is further afield, then you're going to have to do that socially or online. But knowing who the promoters are is the most important thing. Then you build your audience on social media. These can run on simultaneously, you know, you can be doing research and building an audience, making content. Basically in the beginning, you don't, you don't have an audience. So it's kind of like, you know, like you're building and you're also like finding out who is my audience. Like maybe at the beginning, I have a idea that I'm building an audience in Berlin. And it, it turns out that I have the audience in the UK because I, yeah. I don't know, like I play drum and bass and, you know, like. I want to build an audience in Berlin, but no one is interested in drum and bass. So my 100%. fan base is like uh, going to be in the UK, maybe. So that's that's over time. That's a really good point uh, about building an audience. Let's focus on one channel. So you said that it's basically attractive to booking agents, promoters when you have an audience, right? So audience brings this value. You can provide additional exposure to them. So how do you how do you build this? For example, on Instagram. 
is it really important to grow those numbers let's say views on your reels for example like does it really matter for for those promoters or what would you focus on i think when you're always you've got to remember when you when when you're going to a promoter the promoter is is a business and a lot of the time his roof of his house is on his on a gig especially big gigs so you have to he has to sell he has to sell tickets yeah. that's his job he has to sell tickets and for him to sell tickets he's got to book a lineup that's got people that want to see those people play whether it's whether it's you're bringing a load of people because you know loads of people you're at an age where you've just got a massive friend group and you go we I'm playing here and everyone goes let's go whether it's you've got a big social media you know you've got a social media audience that's just super engaged mm-hmm. i think whether views watch time is definitely important on instagram reels definitely important but engagement's definitely more important like if you can go, if you go on someone's page and you can see people are super into what they're doing and super into the music they're playing and there's a whole ton of comments yeah. that's going to be more important like you can see engagement you can see potentially people that will come and watch that person play and pay to buy a ticket people taking action right so yeah and that, and that can be you know if you're re- really really at the beginning and you only got 200 300 followers but they're all super engaged into what you're doing yeah that's great if you say i'm going to play a gig and they all go right let's go then that's what that's that's you know that's essentially promoter's dream because it's going to sell tickets and it's going to pay the bills you know yeah. and keep and keep the business flowing uh and if you're not getting booked or you're not achieving anything in in the in this industry you have to think the business side of it you know so many people get hot and hot headed they're like oh they don't want me to play they don't want me to, they can't sign my they're not signing my record and the, and they can't understand why and a lot of it is your business is not aligning with their business your dj business which is just you doesn't bring enough to work with that other business. And it, it definitely de- de-romances the whole, you know, in it for the love uh, side of it, which you should definitely be in it for love. But this is a, it's a, it's called the music business at the end of the day, you know? Um, so content-wise, Instagram, I you definitely need to make DJ content. And that can be short mixes. It can be clips of you playing. Like when it comes to clips, it's got to be first three seconds, I've got to hook someone in. You've got to literally grab their attention. If you can't, if it's a longer clip, then how can you grab their attention? Like, can you put something, there's some little things on screen, like really, really simple stuff, like wait for it, comes up in a really nice little font on the on a, on a screen for a few seconds. So three seconds in, wait for it comes up, that drops off. Something else comes, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the drops 10 seconds in, wait for it again, you know, wait for it, it's coming sort of thing. Just little annotations of just where it's, where the screen changes. Always you're, you're, brain and your eye needs that kind of refresh every few seconds like if you're talking to a camera there's so many people just kind of just go out and waffle but you're much better recording short chunks and then changing the camera um i don't know if this is audio or video but when i do it in here in the shed if, for those that are watching if they're watching i will sit straight on and then i'll turn my chair and i'll i'll record to the right and then i'll turn my chair to the other way and i'll record to the left and I'll kind of go chunk, chunk, chunk in three sections and kind of rotate around. You'll see it on my Instagram if you, if you tune into my Instagram. Short, punchy, three seconds per clip. And it keeps the eye interested and the brain interested because it, the screen changes. And when you're doing DJ clips, it's about drop, get, the, get the kind of moment to happen. And if it doesn't, if there's anything after the moment, which is just not adding any value, it's a bit of fluff, then just chop it out and make it shorter. Get the watch time high and then that gets the engagements high. So what's what's the value? What would you focus on when it comes to like DJ mixes? Is it uh, transitions that you would put into a short video? I don't know, using some kind of a filter or doing some technique? Do you know what? It depends. Depends on the DJ. Like there's some really, really talented that know their skill, know their craft. Then it then it's all about the kind of those skills and showing those skills. You know, people like Jack Swift, Devstar, Amy L, those one, those people are really, really talented and they make really talented pieces of clips of on, on Instagram reels and TikTok and shorts and they're just super quick, super choppy, but they're just their the skills are amazing, you know? Some people it's about a moment that happens in a club and it's, you know, they're they just catch that moment really well. And it's but it's about getting that content and making sure you get tons of it and then see what works, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And also would you differentiate between like who are you creating the content for? For example, I don't know, like you want to showcase your skill set for uh bookers and or you want to build an audience or a fan base, so to speak, because I was thinking about like, you know, like these 
these memes on social media, they are like uh, super engaging sometimes. I'm following a couple of like uh, music related uh, Instagram pages with with a lot of memes. And mm-hmm. this is cool, you know, like I would, I would want to use something like that, but it's not highly relevant for promoters, let's say, or for people who I want to work with. Yeah, I I probably would use I like them as well. I use them for gr- promoting my record promoting music because you can attach music behind them and then obviously people read and listen and then become maybe, you know, and if you people then find the sound and people find the song and you know, especially if you tag it as you and it's your song. The promoter and the and the fan base, it can be one one person one one for person. Mm-hmm. Like they're all DJ fans basically. That's why that's why they're in the promoters are into it. They they love DJs, they love dance music. That's your ideal fan, and they're part of your ideal fan, you know? I wouldn't you don't need to differentiate too much between them. I think it's just about showing you DJing. Yeah. There's some great examples as well. Like people will do like one of my students on the course, he does like five tracks a day. And he does like he does them all in sixty does sixty seconds. And he's done this series since pretty much since January. He recorded ninety videos in two weeks. And he did basically three months of his content in not in two weeks. And then and then it's like done then. It's all done. And then basically spent the next rest of those three months making music, which was lovely for him. He gave him all that time of making music. It was a bit of a hard graft of doing two weeks of making content, but he stacked it up and then basically got the time to make music, which is perfect because he's got loads of great new tracks coming now. What he's found from doing five tracks a day, and he does five tracks from a label, picks a label and does five tracks on that label. What he's found is that sometimes the views are really great. Sometimes he's found the the views aren't so great, but he's also then the, the connection to that label has happened and he's now networking with that label and able to send tracks to that label, which is one of his target labels. So it's there's kind of a double edge. And some of them times it's got loads of engagement and loads of comments, and that's led to then gigs because it's people that have just been into the tracks he's been choosing and the ones he's the ones he's been picking. So it's kind of had like a three from one content series, he's had three different things happen, you know? Yeah. Uh what I do nowadays is um as I I do a bi-weekly mix, so it's a one hour mix, and I basically repurpose the content like I uh record the transitions but um yeah uh i share it on social media love that it's cool yeah so i basically what i do is i i I record a mix and i just i could record a whole mix while i'm doing the mix but what i do is i do the mix and i just only record the the transitions so it's like a one minute video or 90 second video for for instagram i'm focused on instagram tiktok and youtube shorts actually yeah great so maybe you have an idea on which one to focus on actually because you said you you would recommend starting with one channel right so if someone wanted to pick like would it be tiktok youtube shorts or instagram i'm just personally a fan of instagram so that's my number one um (laughs) so i started pushing that first my focus is YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is growing nicely, and it's it's doing what it needs to do. Um, I've picked the the platform with the biggest audience and the biggest potential audience. Uh, YouTube has two point six billion users a month, and I think from a I always think like when you're at an after party, you know, you're you're at the ones where it's somewhere in someone's house, and always around the ones that we go go to, the laptop would open, it would be plugged into some speakers. And someone's mix would be playing off YouTube. Yeah, and I always think that could be any that could be any aspiring DJ's mix. It could be anyone's mix. So why can't it be any DJs listening to this? You know. Yeah, I think YouTube YouTube are definitely after the dance music space. They're sponsoring loads of content conferences. They're part of every conversation. YouTube Shorts thing makes it super easy to keep content moving. The main you put the main video up on. You know what you say you're doing biweekly. I do bi-weekly at the so moment. The, so the bi-weekly goes on YouTube, the, the audio goes on SoundCloud, then you chop the chop the audio and it pushes back to the main video. When you put up a YouTube shorts, it'll push back to the main video. So it keeps that keeps people in that loop. So they'll watch the short on your on their phone, but when they go out on their computer, mm-hmm. the, the big video will be there to them to watch. I upload the whole mix on, on YouTube. Um, it's just like, you know, I have a cover art uh, for the YouTube thumbnail, so it's like not really engaging, you know? Like, uh, I feel like you know, if it was a, a video where I play, you know, people could see. I feel it might be more engaging, but I'm not sure. Do you know what? People will listen to a mix. The big thing for YouTube is is thumbnails and titles. So okay. depending, what are you calling your mix? This is the, the next thing. Titles, descriptions are all searchable. For those of you who don't know, YouTube's a search engine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, second biggest search engine behind the biggest, which is Google, and they own both of them. So they kind of know what they're doing when it comes to search. So always what you're always what you're trying to do is work out when you're doing your title for a YouTube video, it's what would someone search to find that video? Nice. And if it's called New Mix 001, people aren't searching for New Mix 001. They're searching for house music bangers, tech house <laughs> bangers. Man, I just wanted to say that because I need to work on that. Because as you mentioned the title, I was like, okay, my title is totally not good. What is your title? What is your title? Let's, let's... Well, my title is Resonant Radio, episode number one or something like that. But like right. coming from the podcasting space, I know that's kind of like completely... No one's searching for that. You, yeah. What are you, you would put that on your thumbnail, Resonant Radio, because then it gets that brand awareness. Yeah. You're, what's, what music is it? Uh, it's house, tech house at the moment. So then so then it's a, you know, it's a tech house mix featuring, you know, pick four of the biggest artists. And that's your title because the words, you know, let's just say, for instance, Fisher, Salado, Dom Dollar, those are the names that are being searched. So that's what should be in your title. Yeah, it's such a good topic, Graham, because, you know, I was thinking about this a lot in terms of, you know, how do I make my content or the mixes more relevant to the listeners? So how do they know that they want to tune into this mix or podcast or whatever it is, you know? Because when it comes to podcasting it's or YouTube videos, it's the titling, like, once they read it, they know that this is something that they want to tune into, right? So when it comes to music, I was like, okay, do I say like high energy house mix for running, you know, or perfect you know, chill? Perfect. Is the, is that the way? Is that yeah, the way yeah, it is because when people search, they go on YouTube and go, you know, tech house mix after hours tech house mix, you know, running play running running mix, running running mix featuring feature, and it's always about. They don't. They don't know they want to listen to that mix. What they do know, what you have to do is understand what they what they do know. They do know that they're going to do something. Yeah, running party, bangers, workout, or even just could be you know chilled mix to cook, chilled mix to make spaghetti bolognese to. Yeah, you know? <laughs> love it. Chilled, chilled house mix for cooking, right? Chilled house mix for cooking because <laughs> people are going to search music to cook to, you know. And then that, and the, then then they find you. So it's they know they want to do something. What else do they know? They know they like certain artists and they like certain certain tracks. Mm. So that stuff's all searchable. So that's when they find you because they search for a track and they find a mix that's got that track in it. And they go, well, it's got that track. And then they've got a track list and they go, well, they got that one. And I like that artist and that artist. Oh, I'll give this a whirl. And that's when they find you because they they're into the things that you're into. I love it. I do uh, cardio training and I love, for example, drum and bass, what I listen to uh, when I do cardio trainings and stuff like that. So that's how the idea came about. Yeah. Um, for those DJs who, I mean, uh, just to recap, like YouTube is 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 awesome in that sense. And um, I realized I had more engagement on YouTube shorts than I had on Instagram, for example. So I don't know, just people left comments. But um, yeah, just one thing I realized so over time, of course, as you're experimenting with different channels, different content types, you can realize some patterns, something that works for you, something that doesn't. The other good thing about YouTube is that you can go and look at the analytics of every video, which you can, I think you can do on TikTok, but you definitely can't do that on Instagram at the moment. Um, and you can look, it actually gives you a graph of where people have watched to, and you can basically you can see if it drops, then that's where they got bored. So you can actually watch. So you, I can watch it on my videos where we'll see they'll come in, they'll watch for a bit, and then it'll drop down, then it'll start dropping down. And that's where they start getting bored or start getting coming off. If there's a violent drop, then I've done something really wrong in the first few seconds. But when it comes to shorts, you can do the same. So if it's a 15-second video and they've watched a bit and then right near the end, they've dropped off, we'll just chop that bit off, re-upload it, and then you'll get 100% watch time and you reuse that piece of content maybe a month later with it chopped off and see if you get 100% watch time because 100% watch time is more important than anything. There's a tip, folks. <laughs> There's a great tip. Then, and you, But the thing is you can do that if you know it's dropped, if you're running the same content across TikTok reels and short, shorts, if you see it dropping off on shorts, then edit it, re-put it onto reels, TikTok and shorts and see if it does better the next time because it's only the most impactful. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Really interesting. One of the things I wanted to ask you is let's focus on DJs, aspiring DJs who 
um, are thinking about because like getting gigs and performing live is one thing that you can do to, let's say, turn a hobby into a profession. So let's focus on those who might be trying to break into the scene. They might have a full-time job. They are putting out content. They might think that performing live is the only revenue stream that they can focus on. But what are some other ways DJs can make money today to basically do the transition from being it as a hobby to making it as a maybe side hustle or a part-time profession? Like streaming, stream on Twitch, they're great, great for making revenue. Uh, it's also like it gives you a gig. When it comes to streaming on Twitch, I know so many Twitch, from being on Twitch the last two years, I know so many Twitch DJs now. Uh, it's it's Twitch is a great place for community. It's a great place for streaming. It's the literally, I think the only purpose built live streaming platform. Like if you think YouTube, YouTube is a video platform and they added live streaming. Instagram was a photo platform and they added live streaming. Uh, Facebook was a Facebook and it added live streaming. Twitch was built for live streaming, and it's great for live streaming. I know it from my younger brother who is a gamer, so I don't know. <laughs> it's such a good place. You don't get takedowns. Like the good thing about Twitch is you can you you stream and what you do is you'll set up when you're gonna stream. So again, like turn up for the audience. Mm. I because I stream at Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And every week without fail, I'm on those times because then they know they're gonna turn up and see me in my shed chatting to either chatting to someone, listening to demos, or talking about social media depending on which day it is but when it comes to djing you're turning up and djing you're set at the same time i'm going to dj tuesday and thursday from four till six and what you need to do is when you choose those times is it needs to fit into your schedule so that you can turn up every time don't pick a time you think's the best time the best time for streaming is when it works for your when it fits into your schedule we do it at that time because i know that i can come online i can sit here for two hours middle of the day it's cool Nothing else is going on. I can just, I'll come in, I'll plan in the morning, do it in the art, and then I can come afternoon, do other stuff. There's always an audience online. It might not be the audience you think is online. You know, when you're streaming at one o'clock in the afternoon, for us, we have people on the West Coast of America that actually get up to watch our idiotic or our stupidness in my shed <laughs> and listen to us be idiots. And they have that side, that side of their, their breakfast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And when we don't turn up, they're like, what am I going to do today? Because we've been doing it every two hours. We have people in Australia that were in the gym late at night working out to us being idiots in a shed. <laughs> and we have people in the UK that come for, for their lunch, you know? <laughs> Love it. Uh, and can you actually leverage multiple platforms in terms of like streaming to multiple platforms at one time? or You can, but we just stream to one platform and we, again, do one platform really well. And you engage also, right? Yeah, so you engage with it. Like you, the good thing is you get when on Twitch you get two things. Once you get once you get to affiliate level, which basically means you need to stream for I think it's like eight hours, and you need to have fifty followers. And I think that's eight hours, fifty followers, fifty followers, eight hours in total. And I think you have to have three people watching at a time. That's what it is. Yeah, which isn't that hard. Like you can ask all your mates to come follow you. You can stream for eight hours. Let's say that's for two-hour DJ sets, not that hard. Have three people watching. Again, not that hard. You could have your phone watching, logged in as one person, have your telly logged in as somebody else watching as, you know, as a different login and get a mate or a partner to watch on the on another phone or something or a computer. Yeah. That's three people watching. So you can get around that really, really quickly. Once you've done that, you get to affiliate and that's when you can then make money from Twitch and you get things like subs, which basically means people subscribe to your channel and they pay you pay four pounds and you get a percentage of that uh, per month um and i know channels that get thousands per month from subs you also get tips which are like little bits basically and they they all stack up also once you're streaming you can get gift subs so people can come in and they can sub to your channel but they can also then gift maybe five subs or 10 subs or i've seen ones that have had people have come in and gifted 50 subs Whoa. you know 50 subs at four pound that's 200 quid and you're getting a chunk of that, right? Nice. When you're DJing, people will be into it and people also get drunk and then they get a bit more free with their with their free subscriptions. More flexible. <laughs> with, with their subscriptions, you know? Nice. Those are the tips, the golden nuggets. You know, peace. And you people get into the music and what you're doing, you know, and they play what you're doing and they, they sub stuff. Um, and that builds up to a nice monthly income, especially if you're doing it two, three times a week. 
you're also like you're saying earlier you're making tons of content so you can chop that into instagram or youtube or you can take the whole stream and put it on youtube as well so it's kind of builds a channel at the same time i love it and it just helps you you know just gives you the platform to dj because what yeah. i've definitely found over the years is some people want to dj but they don't you know they've got kids for instance they're, they're, they're maybe they're they're aspiring in the beginning of djing but they're also 44 years old because they've done it a long time ago they've gone and got a career and now they want to try again they don't want to go out djing every week in a club but they can set up a little space in their garage or somewhere that they can stream twice a week yeah and they can build an audience that way i love that i i really appreciate you sharing all these uh really really uh useful tips and and of course you know like like for example i, I like great content so in the past i was podcasting for two years I was creating different types of content and it's the same with DJing. So it's for me, for example, it's not necessarily about going out and perform live. That's also good, but like creating the content, being creative. And uh, yeah, that's why I think there are other ways if you want to turn something like this into a side hustle or a part-time career. I remember when I started podcasting, I didn't even know like, you know, where to start, uh, what could bring um, any uh, revenue into the business and things like that, you know? So as you kind of like start a new career path uh, or side hustle, you're trying to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you support artists uh, when it comes to building their profile, social media, and yeah, where can people uh, get in touch with you? So the main thing is YouTube. Uh, I built a channel like I said, over the last seven years, I started working with a lot of artists. I started working with a young artist called Ben Sterling like seven years ago. Uh, I worked with him for a couple of years. And then he got signed to Jamie Jones' label, Hot Creations. And he started to pop from that. And he went every separate way. And I, from working with him, I learned a lot about building artists from literally from nothing to touring DJ. Um, over the years, Whoa. I've then worked with 300. Uh, I've worked with over 400 artists over the last four years. Uh, then from that, I've been building my YouTube channel. Um, and every week we give out new information and new sub new stuff on Instagram, so Spotify, SoundCloud, getting music signed. And it all goes on my, my YouTube. That then also goes on my Instagram as well. From that, we then I've built a course called The Artist Blueprint, um, which is literally kind of once you finish the record, once you've learned the skills, what do you do next? That's what the course takes. It it's you know, the heart the it's all modules online and it's goes from getting music signed, building content and strategies, pushing that music once it's going to be released, learning how to use ads to really grow your audience and then turning it all into gigs. But then also there's like a weekly group call with me every Wednesday, two hours every week. And we just, we really go in depth. It's like, it's probably my favorite time of the week. Um, we literally, like last week, we were probably looking at someone's content. Someone had a release coming out in two weeks. So we we're coming up with 20 content ideas for them to go and work on do a and r in there so I'll, and we'll help i literally help them get their track signed i will find we'll, like we'll do a group hive mind of which what the uh of, of the listening to the track and then go well you should try these three labels and and then they go okay well you've got contact i'm like yep it's in my gmail my gmail is 200 gig deep uh i never delete an email and we just look in there and find their contact and send it off to them and that's the main things for me youtube and the course and obviously take a transmission all the time like it still grows it's 15 years old and we still we still put out new music from DJs on premieres. We still put out new music from DJs on mixes every week, basically. Nice. Thanks for sharing. But is the is the blueprint focused on DJs or producers? So yeah. So we we look we look for we look for people that have got music and ready to you know we want unsigned music that they can push. If it's if they're just DJing, I haven't really I've not kind of got a course for that yet. I'm thinking about it, but. And they can still do the course, but it's a lot. There's a lot of big chunks around getting music around music and kind of having music because obviously that as an artist you need to have the full package of being a dj and producing so that's why it's kind of that's we focus on everything we have had some djs do it and they've gone on to build youtube channels and they've gone on to build radio shows and then, then when they, and then when they've started producing a year after they started the course then they've kind of got the tools then already to go and get tracks signed but we definitely look for dj producers at the start Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, all the links are going to be in the show notes uh, and available on our website, resonant.com forward slash podcast. And uh, my last question is, where do you see yourself uh, within, let's say, one year? Where are you headed? And what are some of your aspirations? Um, cool. Okay. Year's time. I, I'd like to, in the next year, I'd like to get to 100,000 followers on, on, on YouTube. I'm at 36,000 followers now. 
uh, I know there's a bit that's a big jump, but I also know that with YouTube you can jump ten thousands in one go once it's once certain things happen. Uh, I would love to be. I like speaking and I speak a lot. I like doing interviews on my Twitch channel. Um, so I like to. I speaking. I was speaking at three conferences this year. I want to speak at more. Uh, from a data transmission point of view, the goal is always the same. Find new artists, break new artists, find an artist really, really cool, find music that's really cool, shout about it, and hopefully that it goes to the next level. And maybe sign the track, you know, sign the track in one of my demo streams on Monday on Twitch, and then we put it out, and then it does really great stuff. That's always the goal, you know? And then just, yeah, long term, it's just, just, just help people, you know, help people as much as possible. Like, I've been in this industry a long time now, and I've definitely laid a lot of mistakes hopefully not all the mistakes i feel like i've hopefully i've got some more mistakes in me because i feel like you learn a lot from making mistakes but i've learned a lot of mistakes and i definitely share the ways not to do things and hopefully we can help more people make some transformations like for us it's always about that positive transformation of your career whether that's whether that's you just you want to get more listeners on your tracks from a spotify point of view whether you want to tour the world the transformation is different for each person and we just want to try and help them understand everything else once they've made the record and the gigs and help them tra- make that transformation. Honestly, thanks for the work that you're doing. I think it's uh, it's very valuable. You know, like for example, I uh, I started learning DJing and, you know, after a while I uh, wanted to, I was looking for such programs and, you know, programs uh, that is focused on the business side of DJing slash producing. But um, yeah, there are some, but I think there is a, there's a need uh, for people to kind of like learn about this because that's also very important. It's just like producing your music or like a mix, you know, like you put a lot of effort, energy into it. But like, how do you how do you promote it? Yeah, so many people just throw stuff, make stuff and spend so, you know it is, so many people make spend so much time making what making a track or making a mix or learning a skill. And then I always think like they owe it to themselves to learn how to promote it and market it because you've spent all that time and sometimes it's all that money as well uh, buying the software and buying the plugins and doing the research and start finding the samples and you spend all that time and then you don't finish off the job like you don't do the kind of mortal combat finishing move you know yeah by by doing the promotion and that's where we want to help and by teaching the teaching the how to do the promotion yeah a hundred percent you know and like Figuring out on your own, it takes a lot of time. You know, I did this uh, with podcasting in the past. But honestly, I just, you know, really hire mentors and people around me that can help. So you're definitely one of them to many people. So thanks for your work and uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day and hopefully people will enjoy this podcast. I appreciate you joining me for this episode of the Break Into The Scene podcast today. If you want to receive regular updates about new episodes, make sure to sign up at resonant.com forward slash podcast news. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast news. If you want to check out the detailed show notes and free resources, make sure to visit our website, resonant.com forward slash podcast. That's resonant.com forward slash podcast. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, just keep it real my friend.